Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm good. Glad to be back with you again. We've, uh, you know, we're doing these semi regularly now, as often as our schedules will allow. So, but I'm always glad. Yeah, I'm always glad when we can have the chance to sit and jaw about uh, current events and politics, and uh, you know, we're the kind of show where we tend to agree on pretty much everything, but we each have a different perspective as to why we agree, and you bring a lot of actual information to to you know historical information and, and basis uh for opinions to the show so um, oh, you give me way too much credit here no i just no, make it up as i'm going along no 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 that that's a trump supporter <laughs> uh, uh so we're going to talk today we're going to get into uh the uh emergencies act inquiry that is still ongoing as we record this we're going to get to that we may get to talking about uh doug ford paving ontario but first since we were last together Elon Musk has bought and is pretty much destroying Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing watching a forty-four billion dollar investment just just uh, just go in there with a wrecking ball, and it's hard to imagine what it is he's trying to build in its place, or who his audience is, or how he thinks he's going to get his money back, or more importantly, how his investors are getting his money back. Because, you know, the thing about billionaires is, you know, they'll use a little of their own money, but uh, they'll use a lot of other people's money too. I think so it was Saudi imagine... money in this case. Oh, well, there's uh, there was a, a bunch of interesting people who uh, who ended up uh, investing in it. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, they invest in it because they want to make their money back, and, you know, and, and, and triple it or... or, or, or yeah, more. not lose it. And, and you know, not I, losing this is, is 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 number one. Yeah, the rapid decline of Twitter in the sense of how first of all their advertising dollars, their their revenue is uh, I any other business with that big of a revenue drop would probably be out of business, uh, but it's so big and has so many you know billion dollar investors, it can hang on for a while. But advertisers are staying away. They they want advertisers want stability in their media. And when there was still a uh, a robust screening process, a review process on on Twitter, when there was still a policy against covid misinformation, when certain bad actors had transgressed enough that they were off the the service, then there was a, a level of comfort that advertisers had now well, they're not it was comfortable. a quality audience yeah yeah they're not comfortable anymore i i mean i i'm dealing with a uh an agent who who hooks people up with brands and uh, through social media and i have i have built in another account a a pretty sizable uh twitter uh following it's worthless now because there's yeah, well, just, nobody will advertise on that no and it's 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 all about and, and you know so so people are pulling out because they don't want to be associated with with the hate speech and the misinformation and the racism and the anti-Semitism and the Nazism, uh, you know. So people, you know, General Mills is pulled out, Volkswagen's pulled out, General Motors is pulled out, United Airlines, Pfizer, Audi, Carlsberg, um, Apple just this week uh, announced that they're going to uh, suspend their advertising on on Twitter. And, you know, the thing about about Twitter is uh, so um, in in uh, 
2021, uh, they generated about $4.5 billion in advertising revenue, mm -hmm. which is almost 90% of its revenue comes from that kind of advertising. The rest wow. comes from selling data services and all the rest of the stuff. But 90% mm -hmm. of their money comes from advertising. And all of a sudden, all of these people, all of these big names are, are pulling out. Uh, and they are, and they're saying that like, they're concerned about the rise of misinformation, of hate speech, uh, distasteful content. I mean, it, it's like, uh, you know, Apple probably is not uh, advertising on Pornhub or any of those kinds of sites <laughs> for exactly this reason. It right. is not quality. Uh, it's not a quality audience. Well, it's also uh, not an association your business wants to have. Well, you don't want yeah, to be associated exactly. with like... a place that that where you frequently have. Uh, people spreading misinformation and disinformation and yeah. hate speech. Uh, you, 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 you don't, don't want you don't want to be place. able to say, "Hey, I saw your ad on uh, HolocaustIsAHoax.com. Hey, yeah. well, I, I, I want to go out and buy your product." It's like, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and um, so I and plus he's he's you know he fired people willy nilly, fired people who he actually needed to keep the company operating, uh, and the people he didn't fire quit. So they're at the point now where they don't have uh, the engineering staff to keep if something happens to Twitter, they're they're pooched um, because they don't have the the, the sk skilled staff who know the code and yeah. know how to work it. Um, he's uh, it, it, what we're looking at basically is a rich kid playing with a toy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the way some rich kids play with toys, they get an action figure and they throw it around the room, yeah. you know, Um and he's it's just a rich kid who who's showing off that this is his toy and he's going to play with it it's his, his he's using no uh adult reasoning in his approach to this business he's not approaching it as a business uh it's his playground and you know, then he goes and complains about the fact that uh, they're losing money every day and uh, i think that they were losing money even before he took over but now they're losing a substantial amount more because they're not bringing in and there is no end in sight as long as he remains the owner of twitter now if he was to say i'm going to recuse myself and let uh you know other people run the companies yeah <laughs> yes um maybe after six months companies might come back uh yeah. or uh what i think is going to happen is he's going to sell it at a fire sale price yeah, well, and, and it'll have to be a fire sale price at this at this point because you know the brand is charged. I mean, it, it, is it salvageable? Probably at this point, but it would require a real turnaround. And I've always said, you know, when you buy a business, like I say, you know, my in my other life, I I I, I I'm a businessy guy, and you know, I've I've been part of acquisitions and sales of companies before. And the first rule is, when you come in, you don't do anything for a couple of months. You, you, you know, you reassure your customers that, you know, business as usual, nothing's going to change. You, you reassure your employees, you're all, you all have jobs, you're all valued while you understand the business processes. And then you introduce some gradual changes. But like you said, you know, Elon Musk came in like a kid uh, with a brand new toy uh, with apparently very little understanding of both the market and 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 the technology behind it because remember he you know he runs technology companies but he's not a technologist at all i mean his you know his he has an undergraduate degree um he's an entrepreneur uh you know he didn't he didn't found tesla it was two other guys who who invented the car and the technology yeah, eberhard and i forget the other fellow's name yeah and he bought it you know during a, a stock sale for like uh, early on he invested like six and a half million dollars on it and got control of it um 
but you know, he, he has this, this, this aura of a technological genius. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not going to Mars if he's running the place um, <laughs> because you know, the capriciousness of some of the decisions is like, Hey, you know what? I'm not sure we need oxygen anymore on this place. Um, it, it, he's, he's just gone in with this wrecking ball as opposed to the, a light touch, which would keep the advertisers happy, would keep the, the people doing the technology happy, would keep the investors happy. And instead, you know, he's come in with, with these, these, you know, it, it's almost like he, he's got, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, he has some sort of a, a manic, uh, you know, an organic manic problem because mm -hmm. he's acting very much like someone with, with a, a manic depressive, uh, you know, the manic side of the manic depressive mm -hmm. um, yes. um, condition where you come in and you do all kinds of things. Grandiose um, moves. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then you're mad that, you know, that, that your toy's broken uh, just because you've been sl slamming on the ground constantly and people are, are leaving and you're letting people back onto the platform who, for very good reasons, uh, have been deplatformed, you know, Nazis, racists. Um, the most recent one is he just announced, and I believe it was just today, that he is, uh, that he is letting back on uh, the uh, uh, COVID misinformation. It, you know, they had, they brought in a policy in 2000, I think it was. Um, they set, they created a, a, a set of rules to prohibit uh, harmful misinformation about, about the COVID virus and the vaccines. And he announced today that he's no longer doing that anymore. That so effective, uh, effective November, um, Twitter's no longer enforcing COVID nineteen misleading information policy. So you can imagine announcing that. I mean, and that comes right from the press release. Twitter's no longer enforcing COVID nineteen misleading information policy. So you're saying like mislead all you like. Yeah the the theory that the best opposition to hate speech and mis misinformation is. Uh, speech from the other side pro providing proper informations that is such nonsense because first of all it, it's been shown over and over through history people spreading misinformation are much more invested in spreading that misinformation than people who have the, the tools to you know present facts are in opposing them there some of them do it some of these people do it because it's fun they do it because they like to see some you know that they like to press somewhere and have somebody say ouch um they like they like to show that you know they've got some power in this world that they can make a statement and they'll get reaction to it because there are people who want attention and don't know don't care what what kind of attention it is whether it's good or bad yeah yeah it's attention they they exist and especially in a world where people are often you know very depersonalized it this is people you know scream i'm over here so you've got that you've got the actual believers the actual you know people who believe nonsense um and you've got the people who know what they're spreading is nonsense but they're doing it because they have an agenda now i've seen even in this past week on social media i've seen a good amount of um anti-vax uh anti-mandate uh misleading information so it was yeah, getting I've seen, in there I've seen a anyway. real uptick in it as well yeah it, it's it's so even before this statement it was happening. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think people were emboldened. I mean, and that's part of it too. All you need is a little bit of encouragement to, you know, to the crazies, you know, whether it's the racists or the anti-vax people or the anti-science people or the, you know, the, the critical race uh, theory, you know, uh, critics, 
Um, all they need is a little bit of permission to, to go hog wild. And all of a sudden, all of this careful checks and balances on respectful talk. Now, you know, Twitter can be the Wild West at the best of times. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the last thing you need is to, you know, to 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 replatform people like Trump, you know, to embolden the insurrectionists and the conspiracy theory people and the the election deniers and all the rest. You know, emboldening these people is the first step to to just destroying it completely. Now, the thing about Twitter is it occupies uh, an important space in social media because you've got both Instagram and TikTok are driven by visuals. Tick, uh, Twitter is the only place where you can go on and just use text to get, you can add pictures if you want, you can add video if you want, but not required. So it's, it, it, it fills a place for people who are not narcissists and take pictures of themselves all the time uh, <laughs> or take videos of themselves. It's a place where people who are just comfortable sharing their thoughts, but they don't want to go all out with a whole production. That's a that's an important place. It, it fulfills a spot in the ecosystem. So I don't think that kind of service will disappear. And I don't know that that Twitter will um, complete will cease to exist. You know, they people are going to other sites, Mastodon and some others, but they they don't have the critical mass. And the fact is there's other sites like Mastodon. So if people start migrating and they, they, you know, the diaspora is to a number of different sites, you're never going to get the, you know, the critical mass of audience yeah. that you had on Twitter. Um, I think that, I really think that he, he's going to have to sell this thing. Uh, he's either going to have to sell this thing or he's going to have to reverse himself. A guy like that will not publicly reverse himself. No, I you know constitutionally he's not able to admit that he's wrong or he's or it's a failure or it's a misstep because you know it, and and he's seeing the, the effects of it. You know, Tesla stock, people are going like, hmm, maybe he isn't the genius we thought he was. And you know, Tesla stock is, has has tumbled hundreds of dollars um, over the course of this because people are starting to realize, wow, this guy really is a loose cannon and not maybe the genius we thought he was. But what you said about about you know Twitter is important um as as a as a communications tool i mean there like you said there's nothing really like it out there and it's been instrumental in everything from the arab spring to um you know um it, you know you see all these countries that turn off twitter you know whether it's iran or um, um uh, turkey when they were having troubles china certainly has never allowed twitter for exactly that reason because it, it really is a a way for people to mobilize uh, in, in, and democratize a lot of uh, authoritarian regimes. So, that, you know, they hate it for those reasons. Mm -hmm. It's been a force for good. So, you know, for on a humanitarian, you know, people have used it for search and rescue, for, you know, there's so many good uses of Twitter as opposed to just sort of the nattering back and forth, uh, you know, people who are out there trolling you. And at the, at the same time, it's a really important part and I wrote an article about this um, that's online about how important it is in the business ecosystem, because, you know, we talked about the advertisers pulling out earlier, but a lot of small businesses re and, and, and news outlets and, 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 and other, um, uh, you know, both, you know, little Etsy kind of commercial uh, ventures, a lot of um, charities rely on Twitter to reach people in order to raise money to you know for for individual causes or part of general campaigns and if twitter disappears what are you left with 
because like you said, you know, I, I started a Mastodon account uh, just to see what it was like. I can't say I'm particularly active over there and who knows whether it'll ever, you know, have enough critical mass, be, be the one, because it's really hard to pick a technology uh, at the best of times. So which one's going to end up being the, the leader and which one's going to be the Betamax. Um, Mastodon might be it, but like you said, people come over in dribs and drabs and it'll be a long time before it's built up. You know, I've been on Twitter for, uh, cripes, 15 years. 18. Oh, good God. Has it been that long? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, you get this thing saying like, oh, it's your anniversary on Twitter. It's like, wow, I've been wasting that much time for that long. You may um, be curious. I'm going to click over and see how long I've been there. Uh, May 2009. There you go. Wow. 13 years. 13 it's, years. It's my, it's my Twitter bar mitzvah. <laughs> well, muzzle tough. Thank you. <laughs> now uh, you're a man. Now I am yeah. a man on Twitter. Uh, so I I can see more uh, Zack Snyder hashtags. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting place because I, I can't really compare this to other places, uh, to other businesses, other industries where there has been one company that fills the niche. Um, there's there's usually better competition than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Facebook is is a, a very different kind of platform and different market, and uh, you know, and, and companies use Facebook, but it it doesn't have like you say the immediacy of it. I mean, I you know, I've been in the journalism business for a long, long time, and you know, the way that stories evolve and break, and uh, the way journalists talk to each other, the way you know, legal constitutional scholars um, have talk to each other about sort of you know, explaining, um, you know, what's, you know, how the notwithstanding clause works or whether something is a violation of a charter right or what a legal decision means from the Supreme Court of Canada. I mean, th those things used to be just found in really dusty, hard to access uh, professional journals. And now it's been democratized, uh, you know, for better or worse. And professionals I know rely on Twitter, you know, not, not just lazy journalists who are, you know, oh, here's, the top 10 things that, you know, why you're, you know, what your dog says about you. Um, <laughs> it's a, it, it really is for some people, incredibly useful, educational, um, uh, informational uh, resource that I say is it just that, you know, we, we become so reliant on it and it's, you know, being a private company, that's problematic because you're subject to, you know, the, the whims of the owners, whether it was Jack Dorsey and, you know, his, his view of it. Um, you know, fortunately, you know, the, the original owners of Twitter, there's lots of policy decisions that they made that a lot of people disagreed with. Um, it isn't censorship. You and I have talked about censorship from time to time when they've said, you know what, we're taking Donald Trump off uh, off Twitter. Private company, we can do whatever we like. That's not censorship. That's that's a business decision. Um, he has no right to be on Twitter, um, which is something Elon Musk doesn't seem to understand. Um, and by the same token, you know, we're complaining about, you know, Elon Musk's uh, uh, direction for this thing you know he did plunk down 44 billion dollars which is about 44 billion dollars more than i have and you know he does have the business right to do whatever he like to break this toy into a million pieces um is it is it a good thing no it's not a good thing but uh, you know if, if, unless you nationalize twitter um it, it's his right to do it unfortunately and it's also our right to uh, you know to try find somewhere else it's just too bad that our lives are so intertwined with it these days that we uh you know that we spend way too much time on twitter fighting with strangers and sometimes you know you know actually educating people well 
it, it, he definitely has the, the, the right as far as we're concerned. He doesn't have to consult the general public for how he chooses to abuse Twitter. But I've got to think that his investors are reaching out to him and saying, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you, you've got to figure because nobody likes to lose money. And, you know, 44 <laughs> no. billion is a lot of money. I'm sure that, you know, it's split up over a number of concerns, but they've got to be reaching out and saying, what are you doing? I can't imagine being silent when something you invested in within a month has dropped like a stone. You've yeah. got to and, be and these are, yelling at him. These are people who like money, too, because, you know, the, the major banks, Bank of America, Barclays, uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, the Societe Generale, uh, you know, they all put billions of dollars into Musk's acquisition of Twitter because they thought it would be a good investment. Um, and they say these are people who do like money and these are billions of dollars. So, you know, to the extent that he's listening to anybody, including the people who put money in, because now, you know, now they're handcuffed to him, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what the deal was, mm -hmm. uh, they're along for the ride. And, you know, do they have any say in the direction? Uh, you know, they can pick up the phone, and be angry with them. But at the end of the day, he doesn't sound like someone who listens to anybody. Well, he's going to have a hard time raising uh, capital for anything else he wants to do after this. Because Tesla, as you mentioned, is, the stock is sliding. There, there was a, you know, people who who make as much money as him. There is a myth that builds up around them that they're somehow a king Midas, and yeah, they're a little bit eccentric, but you can rely on them to to, to produce dividends. A sane person, somebody who's mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, would not be continuing full speed ahead with what he is doing. He, it has been, I mean, it is immediate, the responses to his, uh, his, his taking over Twitter, his steps since he took over Twitter. The response has been overwhelming. It has been undeniable. It is not something that people will just get used to it and come back. People who are leaving are leaving and they're not coming back as long as he's there. I mean, maybe some people will come back, but most will not. Most who are leaving will find a way to live their lives without it which is mm -hmm. when you've got a product that people buy, the last thing you want to do is stop supplying the product or have them stop using the product and find some other way to, to fulfill that need. They're going to so, start drinking Pepsi. Yep. It, yeah, you don't want to do that. Anybody who, who's, who's an actual business person would have, wouldn't have started the, what he did in the first place. He would have done what you said, which is for the first couple of months, start to learn the business, start to learn who the people are in the business, uh, get familiar with what you've just purchased. So if he'd been a good business person, he would have done that right off the bat. But he didn't. If he had any business sense or any sense of um, responsibility to his shareholders, he once he started making moves that saw people leaving the service, saw people quitting, uh, saw the stock drop, he would have said, okay, okay, hold on a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to, Take a moment. I'm going to pause before any changes and look over what we've done and uh, see how that, you know, pans out because um, nobody wants to reverse themselves right away. And then you, you wait a little bit and you come back and say, yeah, we decided that we're we're going to reinstitute certain things or you give them new names for the same thing. Yeah. Um, but you, you don't continue full speed ahead destroying a company. You know, if it was if it was his money out of his own pocket be my guest uh even though twitter is 
as you mentioned, it's an important part of our modern communications infrastructure. Um, you know, the, the thing is that uh, our communications infrastructure has already is already owned by private companies. You know, in Canada, Bell, for example, um, and Rogers own our cell phones, our home phones, our internet. Uh, they're private companies and can do what they want. And these are critical in critical utilities that people need to get along day to day. Uh, I'm not advocating nationalizing them, but let's point out we've a lot of our necessities, our, our, the, the stuff that keeps the world moving, the communications that keep the world moving, is in private hands. And yeah, and, and and but they are, you know, but the same token, they are regulated in a way that Twitter, you know, is is, is, not. is only has only been lightly regulated in the past. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing is, his business model is seems to be that he is going to take off all of the all of the caps on what what hillary clinton called the deplorables and yeah. that's his new his new market it's like okay so some people are going to leave because they're unhappy because trump's back on or whatever else but we're going to make it back up with the my pillow guys or with the insurrectionists or with the um you know the, the the people who fly confederate flags that's our new that's our new customer base and there's way more of those and we're gonna make money on those people because because you know they they love freedom and <laughs> it's like oh you know if that is who your target market is then I'm quite happy to be out of it. Um, and I'm not sure, and I, I hope that that segment of society isn't big enough to make a big difference. I mean, there already are, you know, there's already a Fox News. There's already, you know, the the Truth Social. There's all kinds of dark websites where, you know, crazy people can get together and talk about how oppressed they are as white men. Now, I don't think, the, I, I think that market is pretty saturated at this point. So I'm not sure as a business plan, if you said, okay, you know what? Uh, our business plan is we're going to start selling to Nazis. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, do you have enough Nazis to make a profit? You know, I would hope there isn't. Um, but if that's your business plan, I, I think you're you're doomed for to failure, especially if you're burning all the bridges of the, you know, longtime loyal Twitter users who, you know, value, you know, you know, uh, a semi a, a, a discourse that is free of the worst parts of society um it's and and the other you know thing as you said you know i think uh, musk's biggest problem is going to be his next venture because who's going to invest in him with this kind of poor business um sense i mean and every every entrepreneur has failures they do they have lots of failures so they never talk about their failures they talk about their one and uh, one thing out of 10 or 100 that has been successful and that's becomes the mythology that these people are brilliant um but this is a very public failure and you know it, it's uh, one that everyone looks at and goes we saw this coming it was incredibly pre uh, preventable and you just damn the torpedoes full speed ahead doubled down and made this as bad as possible in as short a time as possible in spite of all the um all of the advice and the clear science that you got. So that really, that isn't just bad luck. That is really bad judgment as a business person. And as it turns out, as you read his, his increasingly unhinged personal tweets on Twitter, it, it really shows pretty terrible character. And I've known lots of you know, rich people, some, some really, really rich people. And I can't say that their character is, is particularly great. I now I have a philosophy that you can't make the kind of money these people have made honestly. Um, you can't do it without screwing a whole bunch of people over and cutting corners and uh, doing some pretty un underhanded stuff. 
Um, so, you know, I don't hold these people up as model citizens, but there is this mythology that, especially in the United States, uh, we don't do it quite as much in Canada, where they revere the super rich because they're, they're almost like a higher form of evolution, that they're they're morally superior to everyone because, you know, they because they have a really big fat bank account and that makes them better than everyone else. And I think usually the opposite is true. It, it's usually because you're a terrible person that you've been able to make this kind of money. Well, I think it was William Jennings Bryan who said no one ever made a million dollars, honestly. <laughs> um, and, you know, which goes to what you're saying. Interesting, though, um, as far as whether these there's enough of an, an audience of these deplorables, uh, Trump was allowed back on and he didn't take advantage of it. So because it would actually if, if I'm investing in truth social and Trump jumps to Twitter, I'm going to be pretty pissed off yeah. uh so it, there's a good business decision of you know by a terrible person for terrible reasons on a terrible platform but you know that you look at it and go like well that makes sense no wonder he doesn't go to go back again because he's got investors he's got a, a business stake in truth social he's built up a following there it's like well no i'm why would i why would i go over there yeah and if he's not over there i don't know because you know he he's the one who who signals to his audience what they should be doing and they are slavish in their response if he's indicating uh twitter's over for us it's, it's i'm not interested in being there then that's not a place that his deplorables want to be either because papa trump has decreed that that is not a place we should be supporting so yeah. it, you know we'll we'll continue to watch um from a distance I mean, I, you know, I hope that he he's gone and it, it builds back up because I spent all that time building social media so I could get brand deals. <laughs> like I <laughs> well, said, yeah. it's dead on Twitter. Um, but uh, we will uh, we'll move on to, uh, you know, another set of deplorables, the uh, <laughs> the, the northern version, which were the uh, the, the uh, trucker convoy um, or as people are calling it online, the free dumb uh convoy uh did you by the way uh watch that video or hear that song the based on in don mcclain's american pie oh yes i did the day the freedom died that was yeah. if, if people listening have not heard that uh it is one of the best pieces of political satire uh i've heard or encountered in quite a while the the lyrics are extremely clever um musically it's good too so it's called the day the freedom died, but freedom is spelled F R E E D U M B. Yeah. Now, and it's all over Twitter if you're looking. At yeah, least it, now, it's, it's, for it's, now it's it marvelous. <laughs> it's it's terrific. It's terrific. Um, the I I see on Twitter conservatives and right wing nut jobs because I do think there's a difference between them um, are grasping at straws now that the the Emergencies Act inquiry has been proceeding for a number of weeks and over and over and over whether it be civilian civilians testifying who lived in ottawa um, uh, businesses uh, government agencies law enforcement very few testimonies have not been in support of the use of the emergencies act it's and even the head of CISA said that he he, he told the prime minister, basically, you should be doing this. Um, so they're, they don't have that smoking gun they were looking for. They don't even have the elements that they could use to craft into something bigger. They don't have comments 
uh, that people make that they can then blow up and hyperbolize. So they're they're grasping at straws. I mean, yeah. there was at one point Christia Freeland, um, the the lawyer for the the truckers, said, "So you would say that the purpose of the the vaccine mandates was to encourage people to get uh, to get uh, the vaccine." And he's and she's about that. You know, she's about to say yes, and he says coerce them, and she says yes. Um, clearly, she heard the first part before she yeah. heard the second part. Um, and people are saying, see, she slipped up. She went on and she admitted it was to coerce people. You don't, first of all, Christia Freeland is not flappable that way. Uh, secondly, the idea that somebody would go on and just s- slip out something that was an urgent secret yes. <laughs> on the, well, under the not... probing of this this not particularly great lawyer. Happen, happens in Matlock, not in real life. Yeah, it's this, yeah, this isn't Matlock. Um, it's but they 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 grab that there was the rumor last week that it was not the rumor there was a false story being circulated that the people carrying the confederate flags and the nazi flags were actually um, it was a liberal staffer yeah it was a they were liberals uh who colluded with, the, colluded with the media and a public relations company to besmirch the uh the convoy and, As if it needed any help, yeah. And then they they identified, I believe, one of the the, the people carrying the the sign the flags was a uh, conservative party member who had supported uh, Pierre. Um, but th- that part doesn't come up. It's they 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 grab on that idea that because they love the conspiracy, so they jump on the idea that this was some kind of coordinated false flag operation because they love false flags, uh, and that they're not letting go of that. Even though it's nonsense, it's it's just something somebody threw out there. The, the lawyer, I think, threw it out there, um, and there's no there's no fa- uh, facts backing it up. But there's there there's you know as I said, grasping at straws. They're even bringing up blackface again. Well, of course, you know, you know <laughs> and you know, and my policy on Twitter is okay. You know, we've seen the blackface. And the blackface was was terrible and bad judgment and all kinds of stuff. It was in the past, and he apologized and you know move on. It's like we've all well, seen his, it. It his is policies, not an answer to everything. Yeah, his first of all, he wasn't in government at that time. Secondly, yeah. his policies in government have been very favorable towards uh, people of color, immigrants, refugees, and yeah. so the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. We see. In, in his actions, uh, his government has been uh, a great supporter uh, and, and helper of the very people who supposedly are still outraged over the blackface video. But yeah. I found when I talk to people of color about that, they just wave me away. They're like they know real racism and yeah. they're not interested in this nonsense from years they go, ago. We, we got bigger problems. Yeah, them. they're like, you know, they, they recognize he's that he did it. He apologized. It's over mm. with. It's white people who i think i mean a few years ago i think it was at queen's university at a halloween party some students dressed up in in blackface uh or as as, uh you know first nations people and so on and these very same people defended them as saying there was nothing wrong with it and now they they are so scandalized and horrified by blackface as one person said it's uh unforgivable forever you people, this is not sincere. This is the same way when things were going on with uh, Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould. Uh, all of a sudden, conservatives were concerned about the advancement of women 
Um, yes. <laughs> you know, they, they, which is, I mean, it's it's nonsense. So well, they all of a sudden found they'll, religion. They'll use, they'll use any ridiculous stick to to try to beat up the liberals. It, it does get, you know, it does get tiresome. And, you know, there are things that you and I have said, you know, the liberals, you know, deserve some some criticism for. But, uh, you know, to, to be able to, you know, like grasping at these straws and some of the things that came out of the uh, of, of the uh, the trucker convoy uh, inquiry are 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 just ridiculous when you try to take them apart i mean they're trying to you know they trended for ages um you know whether it was out of uh you know a, a russian bot farm or it was homegrown uh, about uh, you know trudeau lying under oath on the stand when he was asked you know did you know did he uh call anti-vaxxers uh you know names and he said no i didn't and you know and, and they're saying like well he lied under oath he clearly did and they're trotting out a couple of interviews that he did where he said that you know basically there's a small subset inside the you know anti-vax you know anti-vax movement itself not the anti-vaccinated but the anti-vax movement who are racists who are anti-vaccine they don't believe in science or misogynists and uh you know and you can see the actual quotes because it's it's, it's been on twitter all over the place where he said look there are people who are vaccine hesitant we have to do a better job of convincing them that they you know for their own safety and for the safety of others they should get the vaccine but there's also this little kernel inside there of real nut jobs who are are causing trouble and you know saying like and the convoy was you know had more than their fair share of those people but you know when trudeau said well no i you know i didn't blanketly say the unvaccinated were basically the american version of the of basket of the deplorables um there but they're going like he lied he should be you know he should be thrown out of office someone <laughs> called the governor general and and have him have him criminally charged for perjury <laughs> and you see this nonsense on twitter it's like oh honestly because twitter you know for for as much as we love it is not necessarily a place for great nuance especially among sort of the low information uh, community and this is just a, a perfect amount of it. Um, well, there's a there's a line in that uh, song we were just talking about, the satirical song, which goes something like, have you read the Charter of Rights and do you know anything about the laws you cite? <laughs> yes. Which I thought yep. was brilliant uh, because, you know, you see on uh, I, I, on Twitter, uh, the hashtag Trudeau must go to jail. And when you say to them, what did he do that he should go to jail? And either they don't answer or they come Reason. up with the, the and, and you, ask you, them, you ask them what what did he do that was treasonous took away our rights what rights did he take away you know they, we had to wear masks and so on well you didn't have to you just simply couldn't go places if you didn't wear them yeah. um, well i couldn't get on an airplane say, well there's no country in the world that would have taken you at that time and no airline that wanted you <laughs> and no yes. airline that was taking you without masks yeah. So, so you, you were you were caged multi, in multiple time, multiple ways. Um, they don't have answers. They're, this is following up on the same idiocy of lock her up from Hillary Clinton, when in fact what she had been accused of was not a crime punishable by prison time. No. Um, and you know it's that that whole that authoritarian uh, impulse lock up our enemies. Yeah. And I have Open to say, too, what, what, you know, watching the inquiry and I, I kind of dipped in and out of it, you know, when there was a good witness uh, that would be kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I watched it and the the convoy lawyers tried so hard 
to 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 make their imaginary case sometimes. But I also have to say that the level of you know I'm, I'm a former trial lawyer, you know I prided myself on on you know pretty good advocacy in front of uh, some pretty tough uh, you know pretty tough judges, you know court of appeal and the federal court. Um, you know, where the judges are pretty smart and, uh, you know, they, they, they follow along. Uh, I have to say that, that the, uh, judge Rillo, who was, who was running it has the patience of Job listening to these meandering, pointless, um, irrelevancies that, that these lawyers were, were going on and on about for the convoy. Um, and, it was just complete nonsense. And, you know, what came across very strongly from the other side uh, was just the complete and utter chaos that there was because the Ottawa police services were not taking any leadership, that there was no communications, uh, the OPP, uh, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't reading intelligence briefings. Uh, they were just sitting around going like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, they won't we ask them to leave and they didn't leave. So we're all out of ideas. Um, and it really became, like you said, when the CSIS director said, you know what, we told them, yes, you need to use the Emergencies Act. It's like, okay, that's it right there. One sentence. The entire thing is over at this point. Were there tools that uh, were not being used by the police forces that might have cleared this up? Yes, there were. Were the police using them? No, they weren't. And that became the crisis. Um, and then CSIS just said, look, you can't shut down the Capitol and threaten politicians and inconvenience you know an entire city for weeks and weeks and weeks um with without you know people doing something about it you know what does that say you know these people will be there every day and there's the right to protest absolutely it's enshrined in the charter but there's no right to occupy a city um you know and protests can be of their very nature inconvenient that's how you get attention by inconvenience people by you know slow slow marching down a road and sitting down in someone's office so they can't use it but weeks on end of this kind of stuff and with no particular focus to it either because most of the problems um as, as were pointed out during the inquiry that they were complaining about were provincial you know the mandates were you know, 95% provincial. So it was really just another anti-Trudeau, anti-liberal election that had no leadership, no focus, and was in danger of just becoming this permanent blight on Ottawa and in danger of becoming more and more dangerous and 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 a real threat to public safety. And it came out loud and clear during the inquiry itself. So that's why the conservatives and that that little subset of them that you know are are the anti-vax, you know anti anti um, um, anti-masking group, they really don't have anything because they came across so badly in the inquiry. You know the poll numbers jumped way way up in favor of the government after you know as the inquiry was going on, as people go like, wow, these people were nuts. These people didn't, you know, these people who like to see themselves as Canadian Paul Revere's and freedom fighters are really just a bunch of kooks. Um, and the government, you know, was really, really patient with them, but it was time to get rid of them, which they did, you know, within within a day and a half of you know, invoking the Emergencies Act. And then, you know, took away, you know, Trudeau's a dictator. Well, he gave, you know, he, he you know, um, uh, rescinded the uh, Emergency Act as soon as as soon as the roads were clear um yeah what you know and and rights were not our, our civil rights were not suspended 
No, um, no. And the, he the still was specifically says you, you do not suspend, suspend civil rights um, by invoking the Emergencies Act. It says it right in the preamble. Yeah, it's the um, other aspect of national emergency, which I think Freeland brought up, was uh, were the blockades um, of the Peace uh, Peace Bridge and the, the one on Alberta. I forget the name escapes me. Um, but it was we were negotiating with the Americans at the time, who were warning us. They were mad. They were saying like, "We're going to find you know your auto industry is going to be destroyed because we're we're not. If you're that unreliable a partner, we're going to stop buying anything from you." Yeah, they uh, the the government was negotiating with the states to try to get a Canada excluded from the buy america uh parts of the government spending bills they wanted canadians to be considered you know national given given national treatment uh in the united states and as you said uh politicians and business people were saying is this going to continue uh do you have a handle on your country or because we can't afford to have there's you know a couple of billion dollars business goes by uh on those bridges every day uh, or more we can't afford to have our supply routes shut down uh, on a whim without any ability to plan for it, or even doesn't matter because you can't plan for it because they're they're critical points. Uh, there was, are, are you guys going to take control here, or are we going to have to look elsewhere for our products? And so, and that is a national emergency. That is yeah. the threatening the the financial stability of numerous industries. Uh, that's an emergency, and. They, you know, they go on about how it didn't satisfy the CSIS admitted it didn't the, the, the block or the, the EA or the, the convoy didn't satisfy the CSIS definition of national emergency. But it wasn't the CSIS definition of nat national emergency that was uh, the jurisdiction at the time. It was the Emergencies Act. Uh, yeah. And and so that superseded anything. So they, you know, they, they tell you half a story and you know what's going to happen. Uh, what's going to happen is. The report's going to come out. It's going to, I think, be very critical on uh, local policing, uh, the failures of local policing. I think it may point a finger at, at the Ontario government's inactivity, and it will uh, exonerate the federal government and say that it, it was necessary. And the usual suspects will scream that it was rigged. Whitewash. Yeah, it, that 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 they had control over it. Somebody on Twitter said that ninety percent of the people testifying work for some kind of government agency, so you know that they're gonna they're gonna do speak the way the government tells them to. It's like they're already preparing their arguments because it's cut and dried. You know, as you said, a lot of people seeing these people testifying and fully getting the picture of what was going on and who these people were, um, they're they're becoming more and more supportive of the use of the Emergencies Act. So. With a, a losing hand, they're going to continue to whine and say that, you know, which is the which is what the conservative movement has become aggrievement, persecution. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the so interesting this will be thing that, is, and they'll use it for fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the interesting thing is during the inquiry itself, it's amazing how quiet the conservative party was. Uh, you know, on social media and all the rest of you know, the, the official one, you know, uh, Pierre Polev, 
mm-hmm. wanted nothing to do with it, even though he was out there, you know, literally buying Timbits for the uh, for the occupiers on Wellington Street in front of the Parliament building and getting his picture taken, you know, sitting on the flatbed with them. And, uh, you know, his um, elect Pierre, Pierre Paulev for prime minister flags were flying from some of the trucks that were part of the uh, the stationary convoy. Well, he um, even went into the media and said that he supports them. He considered them heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was fully on board. And the only and... thing he said afterwards was that he, he fully supports in the middle of it. He said, well, you know, I support all of the people in the convoy who were not breaking the law. <laughs> like, OK, which, <laughs> which ones of them were, were that? Can you can you give me their names and addresses so I can send them a Christmas card? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, and we also found out, too, that uh, that some of the conservatives were were quietly saying to to Trudeau because he was consulting widely, as it turns out, not just with his own party, but with the conservative party. You know, he was he was saying that, uh, you know, what can we do? Uh, you know, what could you know, the conservatives are saying, what can we do? You know, Candace Bergen was you know famously said, uh, you know what, uh, how can I help? Because this is a problem. At the same time, she was also, uh, you know, issuing press releases saying that she supports Canadian truckers. But the readouts of her private phone calls with uh, with Justin Trudeau were she was saying, oh, yeah, this is terrible. Uh, just let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Yeah. And that uh, she understood <clears throat> you don't want to set a bad precedent by meeting with them either. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was, she said well, that. And, and again, who do you meet with? Because there was no leadership. No, there was thing. no and, uh, you know, and these are the same people who want to hang you. So, uh, you know, where's the middle ground on that? Just, you know, hang me a little bit is is the compromise. Is that, yeah, just uh, take me a little bit off the ground. Yeah. Or, um, let's, you know, legitimize them by actually meeting with uh, with the prime minister of, of, of a country. It's like, no, you're not going to do that. And they didn't want to meet with him really anyway. They wanted to meet with the governor general and the head of the Senate for some reason, because their dubious grasp of the Canadian constitution is they figured those are the real people who run the government not the prime minister so we're not even going to bother with him we're going to take him out um you know and get the uh, as the as the governor general's office said you know she kept getting all these you know emails and letters and calls saying i want you to uh, unappoint the prime minister and uh, you know it's like yeah no we don't do that here the, the governor general does not have that power well the other thing that's disingenuous is um no meeting with him a meeting with those people would not have dispersed it because those people were there wanting um, uh, actions. They wanted mandates dropped, all mandates dropped. Um, even though some of them were, were a lot of them were provincial, there were some federal things mixed in there. Um, and Trudeau's not wasn't going to drop them just because these people showed up in their trucks. So as soon as they didn't get from Trudeau what they did, what they wanted, it would have continued. It yeah. would have it, it it would have made zero difference in how things proceeded. And those who say that if he just met with them, it would have ended are you know, they're just spreading bullshit. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. that. If anything, it would have been worse because they would have said, look, you know, we, we, we now have, you know, the, the prime minister has has acceded to our demands. He's come out and, he, you know, it shows how weak he is. So let's double our efforts. And yeah. you'd see that, you know, the, the, the encampment, uh, you know, double in size over the weekend because it's encouragement to all the other people who are maybe on the fence about, right. you know, do I sell the trailer and, and go to Ottawa? You know, they would do it. Yeah. Well, we will uh, we'll wait and see, though. I, I think it's going to be favorable for the government. And uh, we're going to see a lot more references to blackface and alleged groping because <laughs> yes. they just keep going back to the well, the stuff that's just either been apologized for and moved on from or uh, 
proven not to be the case as as they're reporting it. So they're 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 continuing to to. I mean, it just shows that they're they're not actually critical criticism or critics of the government. Because if they were critics of the government, they would focus on policies and give po suggest policy alternatives or show where the current policy is weak and where it's weak and what the effect it is is having. They would be doing that, and they could do that on an ongoing basis. The fact that they keep going back to blackface and other things from years ago um, shows that they are not uh, critics of the government, loyal opposition who want to just make po policy better. Uh, they have their own agendas. They have their own reasons for doing things. And it has nothing to do with uh, providing uh, much needed second look at uh, government activities. And yeah. you know what? It's it's unfortunate because every government, including this one, um, should have some responsible oversight, some responsible opposition. And I, I we've talked before about Singh before. Um, I don't find him to be his statements enough to be responsible. Um, but, you know, the Conservative Party has fulfilled an important uh, role when liberal parties were were the government. And it's not happening now. It's reaching no. back to to nonsense instead of saying, here's on this policy. Here's the problem that we have with it. Here's how our, what our solution would be. I think if they want to get elected, they shouldn't be doing that. They should be saying, here's the problem with the policy. Here's what the conservative policy is. They would build an infrastructure, um, yeah. but they don't. And so they are not, they're not there to, to, to make Canada better. They're, they're well, there, the, and the whatever their goals are. The personal attacks on Trudeau has been their policy since mm. you know he he became the leader you know you know since uh, you know before the 2015 election. I mean the, their basic philosophy was let's let's make fun of Trudeau let's you know, let's smear him let's dig up dirt let's uh, you know let's emphasize let's build our campaign around that he's not a good guy or that he's a lightweight or that or you know he's a lightweight but he's an evil genius at the same time you know it's 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 hard to figure out um and it's been a loser of you know just from a campaign standpoint um yes it it angries up the base and i'm sure they raise money based on blackface and, and drama teacher and groping and all the you know funny outfits that he's worn in various countries um you know that's good for fundraising within the party but it has been an absolute loser with with most of the electorate because they've been trying it now for you know coming up to 10 years and it doesn't get any traction outside of their core so if that's all you've got going into the next election good luck to you because it you know the more people hear it the more they're tired of it and the less it's sticking like you said the blackface it's like oh is that all you got but tell me about your policies because you know you've been you've been yelling about that for uh, for two elections now and i don't care anymore so you know if that's if that's the way they they think they're going to gain power you know best of luck to them and i think that uh we will save uh doug ford um for next oh he's an evergreen episode. he'll he'll be around next time. oh yeah uh, uh, you know that song pave paradise and put in a parking lot yeah, yeah you could just it, maybe the guy who did the uh american pie could uh, uh <laughs> pave the green space and put in a parking lot you heard it uh, here first <laughs> yeah all right um uh thank you all for listening uh stephen lawton's can be found on twitter uh for now um <laughs> for now <laughs> this for week now, I'm like, we don't my Mastodon yet. <laughs> uh, at, at Stephen Lawton's, he's uh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. Uh, so check that out. And uh, Stephen, when we, uh, when we both have the opportunity to do this again, we will do this again.
soon soon i hope you know before yeah. christmas let's make a let's uh, make before a pack everyone, before christmas yeah everyone before they disappear before, for christmas we'll, we'll we'll be back all right uh thank you steven thank you steven and thank you for listening this has been steven and steven Thank <laughs> you.